Shelby Earl, everybody. Woo! Hello. Pleasure to talk to you, Shelby. Um, we're gonna we're gonna dig in with some. Uh, I guess probably uh, after we get done talking about the weather, it's a little wet over here on Vashon Island. How how are you feeling in the city? Oh yeah, I'm in Ballard. I actually just so I'm in my little studio outbuilding outbuilding, but um, uh, <laughs> my little. Uh, well, you have an ADU, space. don't you? Uh, yes, and yeah. I just walked from the house into here, and I'm drying off. It is absolutely punishing rain out there right now. It's just, but it's perfect for your podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's so wet out here that all the sheep have run down into my neighbor's pasture, <laughs> where they, there's an open gate and there's trees down there they can hide under. So I'm gonna have oh. to. I'll have hey, to, yeah. Th that reminds me. That was the last time I saw you. I know. I know. I in your on your farm. Yeah. With my, my little dude, he's two and a half. Uh, are you finding that your son likes music and being able to kind of he integrate does. that? He does. Um, there are certain songs he wants me to play. The main song he wants me to play is the Planet song oh. because he is super, which I did not write, <laughs> but he's super, super planet obsessed yeah. and knows everything about planets. And this is his favorite song. So he wants me to play that one all the time. Yesterday I was playing one of my own songs. He was in the studio with me here and he's like, mama, that's too loud. No, <laughs> it's too loud. Yeah. I'm like, okay, how about the planet song again, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> so he likes me and he does like, I mean, we're trying to expose him to a lot of different stuff. Um, he definitely likes music, but he has his he has his leanings for sure. He right. really, he's got like, he seems to have a little science mind. So it'll be, I mean, he's two and a half. So again, who, who knows, but um, it'll be interesting to see like where he goes. He's exposed to a lot of music, but I don't know. Then again, science mind and music mind often. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say work. there's a math, there's a math component there. My youngest plays cello and there's a heavy duty math component with him. Yeah. Like he's, um he's like two grades ahead in math and kind of i mean i was not like that no, but I he is he yeah. is and so he's also you know he loves to read music and all that stuff so it's uh yeah have you heard about have, have you heard this whole i guess now they teach like different kinds of intelligences like when we were in school you know you were like smart or not, <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> <laughs> or you're and gonna now... be a bricklayer which is what happened yeah. to me in <laughs> yeah. yeah um and now they teach different kinds of intelligences, right? And at some point I heard there were seven. And now mm -hmm. I think they, they're like upping that number all the time. But one of them that I, I read and I was like, oh, I feel validated is, and this will sound self-congratulatory. I don't mean it to. It's more like it made, like it made sense for me where the other <laughs> non-intelligences were for me. But one of the intelligences was rhythmic intelligence. And I thought that was so interesting. Wow. And it explains so many of us who maybe from the beginning, because I was one of these who just was like, music. I mean, that's all, right. that was just an instant response for me. It's all I wanted to do or be or think about. And I do not have a math mind. And actually, I've always had trouble with written music. So like notation, I can kind of follow it at this point, you know, like I've, done enough to be able to track, right. but right. it was never easy for me. It never made a lot of sense. And I think people with the science math mind, music makes sense to them on paper. Uh, 
you know, like there's a really it's the strong, same thing. I yeah, think. it's the same yeah, thing. And so separate. there's there's an ease there, I think, for learning written music. And for me, it was always feel. So like, you know, I write. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I pretty much, I took lessons, but I'm pretty much self-taught. Um, talking at you because I'm going to start a new subscription thing on my website. It's called The Homestead and um, it's been a crazy couple of years and things have opened up a little bit and they'll probably open up more next spring uh, for more shows and more communication but I wanted to find a way to get some of the music out that I've been working on um, in a way that isn't just broadcasting at people over social media. So I've decided to do a subscription service. Um, it's called The Homestead through my website, Danny Newcomb Music. And if you sign up, you get uh, outtakes, you get songs that I've recorded over the past year, um, as well as some behind the scenes. I'll be working on songs and sharing things like that. Um, I don't know about the farm picks. We'll have to see about that. Animals just won't cooperate. Uh, but, um, just wanted to have, be able to have a conversation and one that was not, uh, dictated by Facebook. So if you're interested in hearing, um, unreleased material or getting released, unreleased material before it's released, um, sort of a preview of it all, um, and some benefits for signing up, you get perks, but those, you'll find out about those on my website. Anyways, thanks for supporting me. Thanks for listening to my music. And if you're interested, please sign up, um, support the arts, and stay well. So, so you, from a young age, you knew you wanted to play music and you loved music. Um, was it was it in your home? And where did you grow up, Shelby? Um, actually, so this is crazy. I just saw you post something yesterday about Olympia. I am from Olympia. My oh, first, you are? Yeah, the first 10 years of my life were okay. in Olympia, Washington. And um, and then my parents separated. Well, I guess my parents separated when I was nine. And um, so I was in elementary school. So, you yeah. know, I wasn't like part of the only scene. <laughs> um, my parents separated and we relocated to Seattle at that point and we're just here for a couple of years when actually both my parents were remarried. My mom married someone in Los Angeles. Um, so we relocated to LA, oh. which ended up being a very formative experience for me. So we moved to LA. I started eighth grade in LA. Um, my first day of school, someone told me they were going to follow me home and rape me and rob me blind. So that was very exciting. Well, at least and they, I, oh my gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> a bit <laughs> terrible. I shouldn't laugh, but I'm also like, welcome to LA. It was quite a shocker coming from... What part of know, town did you guys live in? Uh, we were in the valley, but I was going to Taft High, which is part of... Or I, I went to Taft High. I was in LA Unified School District. So... My middle school was part of LA Unified School District, and um, you know, like so, like a pretty, pretty, pretty normal neighborhood. It wasn't super intense. It was um, normal neighborhood, but um, 
also like super diverse school and super yeah, diverse neighborhood. Right, right. And man, I'm so grateful for that experience. So my young years, I just always wanted to sing. Um, there was not much natural talent to speak of. Uh, and I'm not being modest in any way. My mom, like I, I really wanted to take voice lessons really, really badly. And no teachers would take me. I don't know if it's still that way now, but they wouldn't, you know, they don't want to mess with your vocal cords before you're developed enough. So oh. no one would take me. So for my 11th birthday, I got voice lessons as my birthday, my birthday present. And the, the teacher, my mom talks about the teacher um, sort of auditioning me to study with her. And my mom was in the other room and she said, she listened to me just like, warbling on in there and thought oh no her dreams are <laughs> gonna be crushed and she's gonna be destroyed right and this right. teacher god bless her said shelby i can hear something deep deep down in there <laughs> and it would be my pleasure to help you bring it out because again as much as i wanted to sing it was not like my leading competency <laughs> So I ended up in a performing group in LA, um, which I'm also really grateful for. Such an amazing experience with all these crazy talented kids, um, all of whom ended up on like Star Search and stuff. You know, it was like right, kind of right, that, right, right, that right. realm. Well, because you're in LA, right? I mean, you can yeah, make that leap. Exactly. And so we would like open for celebrities and, you know, it was this kind of wild experience, but it was a singing and dancing group. And what was weird was it turned out that dance was like far more natural for me. Oh. Um, I ended up getting pretty heavily into hip hop and this is like early nineties. Um, and then really kind of like dug into that in LA for a while. And, um, but my singing voice never matched my dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I like this folk voice. You're like, it'll catch up. I know it, it will. Like, I have whatever the opposite of like a skilled R&B voice is. <laughs> like, right, right. Not... Well, that's that's an intense thing. That's a, yeah, that's. Yeah, and I had, like, I was in this performing group with kids who could crush that. And I was yeah. just not one of them. So I kind of, but all the time I was also like working on my singing a lot. And it was, it wasn't until I came back I moved back to Seattle to go to UW and which where both my parents had gone. So I did the whole, you know, follow your parents lead. So, so you, you came out of that formative situation, you came to Seattle and then, yeah. so the thing that's tripping me out the most about this is <laughs> I just got done to listen to your records and it was weird because I kind of heard you coming from not only a sort of like a, an Irish folky background, like in terms of family and like may, possibly maybe even Catholic. I don't know. Is that in there somewhere? Oh, funny. Um, no. Okay, so, great. Um, I so, <laughs> so, but it's weird. You know what? I swear it is like past lifestyle. It, it's yeah. not, I mean, not to get spooky, but it's, it's very weird. I don't know where, and I, I had a great teacher, in, a vocal teacher in Seattle. So when I, it was when I came back and went to UW that I first met people making original music. So okay. that was the first time, you know, up until then, everything I was doing was like 
cover music, pop music, or like dancing for people who are doing pop music. Or and you were like 21, music. 22 now? or Yeah, yeah. Okay. So nice. so now I'm back in Seattle and I'm meeting people who are listening to like indie rock and singer songwriters and, and whatever and are writing their own music. And I mean, it, it got me right in the gut. It was like everything that I had been missing, but I had to do a lot of unlearning and right. thank God I had this great teacher here in Seattle, her name is Awilda Verdejo, and um, this Puerto Rican opera singer, of all things, she was like, I'm not going to teach you to sound like me, and I'm going to teach you to stop sounding like all your heroes, and we're right. going to find your voice. We're going to, so her whole thing was clearing away. Oh, like, wow. Okay. Getting rid of all the other stuff. So, it's so also, hard to grow up and, you know, in mass culture and yeah. just not being, you know, sort of a, what's, what's the cheese word for it? Inoculated, right? With this, yeah. uh, whatever sounds yeah. of the moment are. I mean, I still, yeah. you know, know some people who try and sing like the guy from Metallica and it's so unfortunate, yeah. you know, anyway, maybe well, I'll and now, now it's the froggy girl voice. Ah, ah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Martin, Martin Fevio was complaining to me about that last night. Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, come in. They come in, they want to sing like they're chewing gum. I'm like, oh, Martin. <laughs> like they're chewing gum. Yeah, that's what he said. Totally. Um, but, you know, we all mimic first. That's right. how we learn. Right. I mean, right. And that's how you stretch right. those muscles, right? Yeah. That's right. And so then, thankfully, I had this teacher who was like, no, 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 we're going to just clear all that out of there. And thank God for her. And that's where, I mean, I do feel like now I sound like myself. But to your point, this Celtic thing, there's a Celtic thing and there's very much like an Americana country thing, which I spent a lot of time. Like when I put my, my first record out, I was so shocked and annoyed that people were calling it country. And I spent all this energy saying, no, no, I'm not a country artist. Like I put that in my bio. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, my name is Shelby Earl. Right. And, and everybody who listens is like, no, we will decide. That's right. And now yeah. I'm like, why did I waste that energy? Because true, I should have been like, I don't care what you call me. Just call right. me. Just, <laughs> just listen. <laughs> right. <laughs> However, this to you is fine by me because this is yeah. just what's coming on me. And I think the, the Celtic thing is weird because that I don't. I didn't have the input of that. So that's why I'm like, that must be some past life thing. The country element, that is what my dad listened to when I was uh, Okay, okay. So that's in there. That's one of those where like, I did take it in when I was young and I didn't, I probably didn't realize that it was influencing me. Um, right. And my mom loved Linda Ronstadt, and I maybe <laughs> have some of her Right, blood. right, right. I, I got hit with Doc Watson and Odetta, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but those are cool. I mean, those are cool influences. <laughs> I don't know. Can't um, get rid of it. Yeah. So who yeah. knows about the Celtic thing? Oddly, I'm married to an Irishman now. Well, like, that maybe maybe that colored maybe yeah maybe that's yeah. what you mentioned. But I think there's um. There's a, a the language that you use, the language that you sort of hinge your choruses on and ideas on is also not arcane, um, but it is a little bit, there's a little bit of old fashioned yeah. in there, you know, yeah, the vapors, you know, it's like, you know, that's not all <laughs> yeah. the way back. But that's, yeah, 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 yeah. That one, and that's a weird one. I, did, I don't, I don't really know where that lyric came from at all. I mean, it's great. That's a great, it's a great word, great hook. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Yeah. 
so yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's how it all happened. And then I had, you know, my first band just out of college, but I wasn't writing, I was just singing. And, um, that band broke up because the, the writer said, I am the generative artist and you are the interpretive artist. And I said, <laughs> don't box me in. <laughs> you watch. <laughs> wow. That's a you discussion I've never had. That's very funny. Um, <laughs> Well, cool. All right. So that was like maybe 96. That was 99. That was 99. 99, okay. 2000. In fact, we played. So I, at the same time, started working at Experience Music Project, um, like when it first opened. And, okay. and I, we played our first show at Sky Church. Nice. Super low key. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only place I've been where like you can literally hear everything. You can hear yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. terrifying. That's great. Um, yeah. So it ended when it needed to end. And that was and it and it ended in order to preserve their relationships. That's so I'm great. always That's I'm great. always a huge fan of people ending bands if they need to. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you need to hang on to those friendships, yeah. Do it. And it's always All better right. to hang on to the friendships. Yeah. Always, like, I mean, 99% of the time. Maybe if it's someone toxic, not so much. But that's another were, podcast. Yeah, that's yet another podcast. Um, no, these were my best friends. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that was the right thing. But that was in 2006, maybe, we finally ended the band. And I thought at that point, well, maybe that was it. You know, maybe like, Music was the thing I did in my young years and like, what a fun dream. And at this point I was working in the music industry full-time. Like I started at EMP. I was there for three years and was on the, the programming team with Ben London and Andrew McKaig and Susie Tennant and okay. just the most amazing experience and um, was there and until our whole team got laid off <laughs> as happened at EMP. Um, and then went to a label and was doing radio promotion. We won't speak of the label because it's terrible music. Okay. Um, don't quote me on that. And then what did I do after? Oh, and then I went to Amazon and worked on the music team at Amazon. So anyway, ended the band right at the same time I started at Amazon. And so I was thinking, maybe I'm just like a music industry person. You right. know, maybe that was. And the minute I released myself <laughs> from the pressure. I started writing songs. Yeah, right, right. Just like in the in my living room by myself, just for me. And then some friend was having an ice cream social and said, "Will you play some of your new songs?" And yeah. that, and then it just I I got so obsessed, and songwriting became the best part of it for me. So yeah, that's, yeah. Well. Yeah. One of the things, well, I guess since I started, I'm really bad about listening to a lot of new music because I tend to just play music when I want to hear it. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed, I think I saw your show a couple of years ago now at the VCA, and oh, I really enjoyed the fact that they were real songs. They were crafted songs, and I really enjoyed the songs. That's uh, There's an appreciation for the form that some people have, you know, this sort of traditional form, and then they do their own thing with it. And I really... Yeah saw that in your music it was great really thank enjoyed you it. that so. is well if you're a song person then you know that there's no yeah yeah right, 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 right and right, and right. you are too i know that about you as well yeah. but that is, but thank you because that's 
I mean, that is what I care about. And that's what I spend the most energy on. And I think because I've started as a singer, it's taken me a while to shed. Like now I really enjoy playing live. And that switch happened when I, I released like trying to sound perfect. I'd be, I would beat myself uh, up if I didn't sing perfectly. And then yeah. I realized, no, 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 no. Like people are experiencing the song. Yeah, they, right, right. They care far less about, <laughs> you know. That's a really good point. Land yeah. on the note. Like people, especially when they're hearing you for the first time, or maybe if they already know the song, maybe it kind of goes both ways. They're experiencing this song. So let them experience that and like get out of the way and stop stressing. And as soon as I could finally internalize that, it's become so much more fun for me. And just delivering the song now is the fun. Right. Yeah. There's that whole thing as a musician that you want to do. Um, and that was the thing I really hated about touring back in the 90s with goodness was I would get on stage and as a writer slash guitar player, I would feel like I had to recreate every single part. And, it, and it's a little bit different when you're a structural instrument. But yeah. Oh, it just drove me nuts. It just, right. you know, I got so bored. And, yeah. um, and <laughs> yeah. you're just like, what? Yeah. It's no fun. And were, um, you write, were you writing your own stuff at that point too? Or did that come I've, later? Well, I've always written my own stuff. Um, yeah. But when I was writing in Goodness, and Carrie and I were actually signed uh, to Atlantic. Goodness was signed to Atlantic, but it was Carrie and I were signed as writers because we okay. wrote all the material. So I would write for her. So I was writing for, you know, a female voice, which... Yeah also has its own um, things, yeah. cool things. I mean, it was, it's yeah. different for me, you know, um, but yeah. So, so having that experience writing uh, and then, but being on the creative side and wanting to just create all the time is vastly different than playing the same thing every night. Yeah. Um, and it just takes, you know, takes all the gas out of the balloon, frankly. Right. But do you have that same experience as like the person delivering the song vocally? Cause I find that, there is, I do get a different ener new energy from it each time. It's always different. Singing is always different. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed yeah. by it. Yeah. 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 Because you get to really share with, not that a guitar player isn't sharing with the audience. I mean, obviously, but there's something about that ex energy exchange. Like it's your actual breath. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's, it's actually your breathing. You're yeah. breathing on everybody, which is not yeah. so great in a pandemic, it turns out. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No. you're, you're Actually, absolutely right. But tell me a little about your records and how they happened. Did you the first record who produced that and who worked with you on that? Oh, yeah. So uh, so, you know, I told you I mentioned I went to work at Amazon and then two yeah. years into that, as I as I've been, you know, starting to write songs on the side. And then I two years in had this collection of songs and was thinking like, oh, man, I could record those that might be kind of cool and I played a few solo shows and whatever um and then I was so miserable in that job I was so miserable and I was sitting at my desk one day and just went like hold on nobody's making me do this <laughs> I actually don't have to be here what and so made a plan like checked on when my stocks were vesting and, <laughs> and did the right. I did the early out. So like when you go to work for Amazon and I assume any of, you know, these tech companies, there's like the first vest at two years where you get a percentage of your stock value and then you fully vest at three years. And so that's like, if you look at the stats at Amazon, that's when everyone leaves. They, they yeah, stay three right. years and then they're like, enough is enough. 
Um, but I stayed too and said, enough is enough. <laughs> and literally like gave notice the day after my two year vest and then took the money out and left and went straight into a studio um, with a guy named Ben Kirsten. Okay. Um, he did like a lot of band of horses stuff and oh, um, nice. Okay. Like early days with those guys. And I haven't tracked with him. I don't know what he's up to right now, but, um, but he was great. Like that was my first time doing stuff on my own. And, you know, as anyone who's like been in a band and then goes out on their own, knows like it's pretty vulnerable. You don't have. Right. And had you had a lot of experience uh, recording? Uh, Fair. We did, let's see, we did two albums. Uh, and one of the, as the okay. previous band, oh, and the right. last, I never said the last incarnation of that band was called The Hope. And that is how I met Martin Fevier. So we made a record oh. with Martin as oh, The okay. Hope. So you go way and back with Martin. We, I go way back. That was in 2005. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, we made a killer record with Martin. And I actually still feel bad because he and a number of people, it was one of those things where like, we were two kind of relatively young women, myself and my the primary bandmate. Um, she wrote the songs, I sang them, and then we had a band around us. And I think people saw like dollar signs. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Right. Like the songs were really good. She's yeah. a super gifted writer. And Martin then, Martin didn't, he's not a dollar sign guy. He just thought the music was really good. And we got really tight with him and he was super involved in making that record. And it, I'm still proud of that record. That's great. But, but we had, there was like a little feeding frenzy and we, there were some offers from some indie labels and everyone said, oh no, 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 don't take that. You guys are going to get a huge deal. It was one of those like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. You guys are going to get a hundred thousand dollars to sign with some. So we just said, no, no. No, no, and then everyone went away. <laughs> that's a that's such a crazy game. I don't know if you've talked to it Ben. Is. I don't know if you talked to Ben about his experience too. I mean, at some point, some, yeah. yeah, there's the whole musical chairs thing, and um, I just want to tell the story really quick because yeah, please it, to do. me, please do, yeah. the, the '90s were were so crazy. But uh, as far as the feeding frenzy thing, especially in Seattle, um, but goodness was courted by a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, labels, I guess it was, um, yeah. uh, Arista ended up flying us out to New York for a showcase. And th this is the story of how we got signed. And so Clive Davis was going to, uh, fly us out, uh, on his dime to do a yeah. showcase, but we were also being courted by, um, Atlantic Jason Flom, who just started his own label and it's the label matchbox 20 and all that came out of Okay. And so these guys are both, I mean, Jason, is a really capricious character. He's really kind of a, you know, his best friend is the guy from Twisted Sister, who's also a really nice guy, possibly nice to him, Jason. Uh, but he goes way back, like was doing massive amounts of cocaine in the 80s and 90s and just total party kid. Yeah. So they fly us out and we're up there and we're kind of like, we're we're open to set and we were playing with a friend's band and the, fr and the singer for the other band was named Jason and a good friend of ours. And so Carrie and I get up and Garth and Chris and Fia and we, you know, run through our normal set and we're, you know, a little bit nervous, but things sound good. And we look out and there's all the A&R people out there. We can see Clive Davis in the big camel hair jacket. And, you know, we can see Jason and halfway through the set, Carrie said, well, I'd really like to thank our friends for playing. 
and there's a pause and she says something else about the next song. And this is dedicated to Jason. Well, Jason Blom thought the song was dedicated to him. And he okay. turns to Clive Davis and he goes, you know, like, <gasps> see, they want to sign with me. So he gave us a deal right after that. And Clive left kind of quickly after the show. And we're like, what happened? And it took me years to figure out till I talked to the head of marketing. Oh, at so <laughs> and he goes, well, when Carrie dedicated that song to Jason, it just sent him over the moon being able to show up Clive that way. And it's just like, you know, the whole thing is just so. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's pain. I mean, it, it worked out, but like, oh, yeah. I mean, as well as anything does, but right, right. It's, it's oh. like Charlton Heston, Soylent Green, you know, it's people, it's all people. It's all anyway. people. Oh my goodness. That's a hell of a story. We didn't even get that far. We had a couple of people fly out to see us at like a, at the old crock and we played for you know like a third full room because we were brand like you were no brand one, new we you were, were brand, brand new. new we hadn't put the record out yet like and this what what year was this 99 uh no no no, no. this is 2005 this is okay. 2005 okay. so so the music business um, already started to change quite a bit yeah yeah and like people came out and were like oh it's not a full room you know we're like well yeah because we just we just changed our name to this name and we just made the record and haven't put it out yet and it was anyway they all went and then they went away and then we broke up <laughs> not oh. because of that but we, right 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 we were we had already kind of run our course but um anyway when the head and the heart were first playing shows and i knew a couple of them and when they were like starting to have the feeding frenzy i was like my one piece of advice is do not say no to everyone <laughs> Say yes, even if it ends is that up what they being said? a mistake. What, that's what that they what, said? That's what I said to them. Oh. <laughs> I was like, you guys, don't say no to everything. Right, right, right. Just whatever you do, say yes. That's actually, that. you know, that's good general life advice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I became much more of a yes person as far as music goes. <laughs> in fact, I have a friend who who um, he's done really well in his career, um, independent artist, but he recently was like, you always say yes to these like benefit shows and tribute yeah. shows and stuff. I'm like, yeah, because pretty much every time it ends up being wonderful. And I just spent enough time saying no to everything, you know? Right. And right. at this point, I'm just thrilled to like be included and still be a part of stuff. So. I, I learned my no lesson. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, we made that record with Martin and then sadly broke up. But that's when, you know, it ended up being so great for me because it, it's what sent me into songwriting myself. So the second record. So how many years were oh, yeah. between the first record and the second record? Four oh, or five so, years? Yeah, I didn't even answer. So I started making that record. I was about six months into making my first record. Okay. When I met John Roderick. And I can't remember can't even remember like how that happened or how we got talking but I we might have been at Hazelwood one night and I was like I'm making my first record and blah 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 and he was like you should send it to me oh I think I know what it was I said would you be down to play some bass on it and he goes <laughs> okay he's like yes but also why are you six months into making a record and you don't know who's playing Base on it. Right, right, <laughs> and right, I was right. like, well, I'm kind of doing it myself and blah, blah, blah. 
So he's like, send it to me. So I sent him what I had and he said, it was really sweet. He was like, this is really good. And like not run of the mill, which was shocking to me because I didn't know if I was making anything worth anything. You know, you don't know when you're in it. And it's my first time going through the process by myself. He said, I think this is really good and could be like something special. And I would love to help you finish it. And we can call that whatever you're comfortable calling that role. But he came on board and then he got um, Eric Corson of the Long Winters on board and Eric engineered. And we would go to Eric's house every day and bring in all kinds like Michael Lerner from Telekinesis played some drums and a couple of the Maldives dudes played on it. And John, of course, played on it and a bunch of other people. Like it was it was a group effort. But John was this great sort of connector and catalyst. Right. Right, um, right. The finishing that record. So I did call him producer um, because he, that is totally the role he took on. Yeah. He just took it on halfway through <laughs> and helped me bring it home. And then it was the next record. Um, I sat down with Damien Dorado and asked him if he'd be willing to produce. And his whole approach was totally, totally different, which was we're going to go, we're going to go to a big room. I want a big, you know, reverberant room and we're going to make this record it's going to be a microphone and a microphone and he's like you better rehearse because we're doing this live wow so i i am a passable guitar player at best and at that point i was a very shaky (laughs) guitar player very shaky you know i'd always been the singer so So you were supposed um, to play guitar and sing at the same time oh that's that's a lot that's what we did so we did i and and so actually he had a very cool concept which we ended up doing um he said i'd like to find two other acoustic play well they don't have to be you know two other guitar players to play exactly what you're playing in the room with you so that's how i met eric hawk who's ended up being like one of my main collaborators and just best dude ever. He's playing in your last record is great. I really like it. Yes, yeah. he's amazing. He's just yeah. amazing. But he was also on the the Swift Arrows one with Damien. And he okay. um so it was Eric and then my friend Regan Crow, who's also a phenomenal guitar player and had a band called Shim. I don't know if you ever said saw Shim, but they were killer. Um so the three of us just learned all the songs. Same they they would do different voicings, but all three of us on acoustic. And we tracked the songs that way. Like I sang and the three of us played live acoustic <laughs> in the room. <laughs> and then, and that was for like any of the acoustic songs. And then right. we did full band in the room live for the yeah. band songs. It was bonkers. It's and- a totally different vibe doing it that way. Um, yeah. it, so you, you cut the artists that way? Um, is that off yeah, that record or is that off yes. the first record? Yeah, 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 no, it's off that record. Okay, because that, that sounds great and it and it's a full band track. Yeah, it's great. And you can hear the room. Like you can hear the room. There, yeah, there, I can hear that. You know, that record's hard for me because there are just so many painful mistakes and like tempos that are wrong, you know, to me wrong and all right. of this. And yet it is still the record that people are like, oh, God, no, that's one song. It's <laughs> 
And it's, I very, it's, it's very strange how people do that, but they, people yeah. know. Yeah. They know. know. They just feel it. They know yeah. it's coming from a different place. They don't necessarily know how. And they might even know you recorded it live, but they're not sure why that would change how they would hear it or feel it, you know? Right, right. We know that. But we like, know it. Yeah. 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 Drums, drums with vocals, drums with guitars, all that stuff live. I mean, I, yeah, I love to record that way. But I know from personal experience yeah. that playing an acoustic song, especially with intricate picking and singing, is not something that's easy for me to do. Um, and get oh, a I was take. doing no yeah. intricate picking. Okay. Let <laughs> <laughs> me tell you. I, I don't want to cover no James Taylor, okay? Real basic Travis picking. <laughs> right. If <right>. that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody, um, talking at you because I'm going to start a new subscription thing on my website. It's called The Homestead, and um, it's been a crazy couple of years, and things have opened up a little bit, and they'll probably open up more next spring uh, for more shows and more communication, but I wanted to find a way to get some of the music out that I've been working on um, in a way that isn't just broadcasting at people over social media. So I've decided to do a subscription service. Um, it's called The Homestead through my website, Danny Nukem Music. And if you sign up, you get uh, outtakes, you get songs that are recorded over the past year, um, as well as some behind the scenes. I'll be working on songs and sharing things like that. Um, I don't know about the farm picks. We'll have to see about that. The animals just won't cooperate. Uh, but, um, just wanted to have, be able to have a conversation and one that was not, uh, dictated by Facebook. So if you're interested in hearing, um, unreleased material or getting released, unreleased material before it's released, um, sort of a preview of it all, um, and some benefits for signing up, you get perks, but those, you'll find out about those on my website. Anyways, thanks for supporting me. Thanks for listening to my music. And if you're interested, please sign up, um, support the arts, and stay well. I did want to talk a little bit about touring because um, I feel like my touring experience with a band on a major label was so different um, from touring now. And I was really interested to hear about, you know, kind of community, like with other artists as you're touring, and kind of how you felt about, you know, traveling. Um, doing tours by yourself or you know i know you have a, a companion dog and and your routes and things <laughs> like that but just just the the how it was rewarding how it wasn't rewarding and all that yeah well i really liked the um the tours where i went out solo and was paired with another songwriter because usually we would drive together and share hotels and do all that kind of stuff. The only problem yeah. is everyone falls in love by accident. <laughs> so, no comment. <laughs> so that's a <laughs> so that's a you know job hazard. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, good for um, songwriters though. It's good for songwriters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but not real, like not real life. And yeah. um yeah. so there's that. But um 
I really, really loved doing living room show tours. So also yeah. that was also solo. But those shows are kind of my favorite experiences. And then you really meet people. Then you're really in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're really like in it everywhere you go. Those were, and you make better money. Yeah. I mean, frankly, so the money part of it's so hard right now, as I'm sure, you know, as you know, and it's just hard to make the numbers work when you're out with a band. And then honestly, I just found that there was less real connection in each place playing full band shows. You have your crew, so it's super fun and all that. But um, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think the old the old model. I mean, yeah. I mean, having five band members, a sound man, you know, and some kind of tech. Like once you start adding the numbers up for doing that, you know, you can't. It, it doesn't work unless you're, you know, up at a bus level. Yeah. That's the only yeah. time it works. That's right. That's right. There's like. I was just saying this to someone like there's a very there's very little like middle class in music right no, now no, uh, a that, very that's very small exactly it that's exactly um, it because it's just you know one of my friends just yesterday i was like how's it going he's like i just did a tour that was rough like five dollars a gallon gas out by myself playing weird rooms because of covid everyone's weird and <laughs> Like, so now it's even more complicated but um but yeah the numbers i i was pretty tired the last one the last run i did with with the band i mean the shows were really fun um but when we played the, the songs from this last record um and i was definitely like man i don't know if i can keep pushing the boulder up the mountain this way you know like in yeah. this model so um then i promptly had a child so that kind of <laughs> derailed. i came back and <laughs> took yeah. a detour yeah. um right after that tour but i think it was part of it was me going i need a break you know like i just promoting yourself oh, I, yeah yeah I just, and to ad nauseum these days yeah it's just yeah. i was like i don't want to write my name one more time <laughs> I don't want to, I just ugh. so yeah. So, but tell me about were there places in the states that you loved to play, where you felt oh, like your music yeah. was really well received? Like, where did you like to go? Um, I mean, I did a tour with my pat, like a southeast tour with my friend Aaron Lee Tasden. That was so cool, and I felt like my songs went well. They landed well there. Also, yeah. Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the States, but when I played in Ireland, right. I've had some pretty cool experiences because they care about songs and they care about songs. Right? And voices. You know, they, they care yeah. about songs and voices. Um, and so I've found, but you know, you can find listening audiences everywhere. I don't know. I haven't I haven't toured so I've toured mostly West Coast. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not like, well, the five times I've been to Atlanta, <laughs> I can't. I have, There's I this have one like, shake joint that is so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, and I, I, I totally agree with you. I think living room shows, I mean, if you are a singer, songwriter, and can, you know, are portable, it's uh, living room shows are really fun. And yeah. to make those kind of connections, that's kind of really the reason why we're doing it because nobody's getting rich. So that's kind yeah. of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Really and then fun. there's like, Damien Dorado said to me at one point a, a few years ago, he's like, you know, I've like played Royal Albert Hall and it was like the pinnacle for me. And now literally all I want to do are living room show tours. 
I just yeah. want to be with people. They're like, they're like the only shows that matter to me. <laughs> I was like, okay, good. So you that's, can. That's, that's really intense. <laughs> it's intense, but it's like, fair enough, because they are special. There's just more of an energy exchange. Yeah, you know, more breathing. Close, more yes, breathing. Yes, <laughs> the breathing. And people breathing right back at you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to a sneak peek of feelings by Danny Newcomb featuring Carrie Akri. Subscribe to the homestead at dannynewcombmusic.com to hear the full song now.